You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Join me. Let's pray and ask God to use his word in our lives today. God, thank you so much for leaving us the truth of your scriptures. We are so grateful that it points us to your heart. It lets us know what you want from us as your people, and it points us to Jesus. We ask, God, that you would use your word today by your spirit in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we want to talk a bit about real forgiveness. Important subject for us. You know, uh, it's near and dear to my heart. I, I grew up in a family that was so messed up. It was, it was, it was rough. I don't ever remember seeing uh, forgiveness extended within the family, any kind of reconciliation. I do remember a lot of uh, insults being hurled back and forth. And uh, I remember, you know... Um, a lot of alcoholism and uh, a lot of hurt and a lot of abuse. And so I came to faith right as a young adult, right before going away to college. And uh, I, I became excited about learning how to, to live out like relationships. And I was like, all right, great. I'm going to, you know, be a part of uh, God's people and the church and really learn about this. Well, I got early on gotten involved in some churches that weren't so healthy, and I was like, oh man, they don't know what they're doing either. Like, there was conflict, there was, you know, they weren't working through, they weren't forgiving each other, splitting and people bolting and all this stuff, and I was like, so I went through this, this period of time in, in my 20s as a believer, and even after I got into vocational ministry for a season, uh, I actually went through this period where it was like idealism, and then it was like cynicism, and then I landed with biblical realism, and it was so helpful. And what I'm going to share with you this morning is scripture, scriptural teaching that can help us with forgiveness and to work through and reconcile and actually have very healthy relationships. Um, you know, not only was I able to forgive the hurt from, you know, from my past, but I was able to apply what I'm going to share with you this, this morning with, into my marriage relationship. So we just hit 42 years of marriage and uh, healthy <laughs> conflict resolution and uh, working through things. So we're so excited. I uh, just hit 40 years of vocational ministry uh, in, in um, Christian organizations, in the local church, as a pastor. And uh, so, and I've seen what I'm going to talk about actually be able to help me work through conflict and re reconcile with brothers and sisters in a healthy way in those organizations or in the local church, and also to be able to mediate and help others to be able to work that through and, and apply these teachings to the life. So, uh, let's dive in and look at real forgiveness. 
because we all need it, right? I mean, I don't know about you, uh, but I do, and I think we all do, right? We all experience hurt from others, by others. We struggle to forgive at times. Maybe a family member, think of anybody come to mind as you think? Parents, spouse, maybe a former spouse, kids, siblings, a person from church in your group or on your team that, that's like, oh man, a friend, maybe a friend's hurt you or betrayed you or come on now, midterm elections coming, you know, like, oh yeah, that's kind of, get, can get hot and like, oh yeah, a roommate, a neighbor you're at odds with, someone at work, a colleague or a boss or someone that, you, you, that reports to you. Question, how do you handle conflict? And I really resonate with Ken Sandy who says there are basically three types of people. Peace breakers, peace fakers, and peacemakers. Peace breakers are those who tend to insult or if they're, uh, they're, they've been attacked or hurt by someone else, they retaliate and attack back. Peacebreakers. Well, sometimes we think we're peacemakers, but, but we might be just peace fakers. Peace fakers tend to deny the hurt or the sin against them and minimize it, but then it goes underground in their heart and bitterness starts to well up and they hold a grudge against somebody else and they might keep it quiet or rather than talk to someone, they talk about that person. Those are peace fakers. We want to be peace breakers, peacemakers, right? Peacemakers forgive and reconcile. They may have experienced hurt, but they, they lean in and work through conflict and forgive. But the challenge to us all is simply this. It's really hard to forgive. It's always been, it's always been a, 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 an issue. Forgiveness for others in Jesus' day and in our day. And so I'm so thankful that Jesus teaches response to Peter. And he tells us how to experience real forgiveness and actually what motivates it. So, the context of Matthew 18 is Jesus is just talking about restoration and how to forgive if someone sinned. And then he finishes that teaching and then Peter comes up to him and is like, Hey, Jesus, um, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus says, not just seven times, 77 times. You know, Peter's probably thinking like, pretty like, in a Peter kind of a way, like seven times, man, you know, that's pretty good. Because the rabbis of that day would be like, three times you forgive and then boom, that's it. And he's so, Peter's like, how about seven times, Lord? And Jesus is like, uh-uh. 77 times. And I, you know, I know you math scholars are going to want to figure it out and maybe calculate. It's not about the number, okay? It's like, it's so high that you're like, you don't even keep track. You just have a heart of mercy that extends forgiveness 
to other people. And that's what God wants to cultivate in us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. So, in response to Peter, Jesus tells a parable. The parable is found in Matthew 18, and he includes a huge debt, a small debt, and then the response. The huge debt. What happened was, Jesus says in his parable, there was a king, and the king decided to settle accounts with those that owed him money. And so, one by one, they would be brought in, and they would, he would settle up these accounts, and can you pay? Oh, no, I can't now, or yep, here you go, and he was settling it out. And this one guy comes in, is brought in to the king and, and the, the, the master, and he's like, he owes 10,000 talents. And you're like, I don't know what that means. We don't, we don't add in talents. It was a huge debt. Actually, basically, D.A. Carson, his commentary said, it was probably the sum of about $12 million, but then you add inflation, and it's like millions and millions. It's like, the point is, it's way beyond what this guy can pay. And so the king says, all right, you can't pay it. Let's throw him in debtor's prison and, uh, you know, his wife, kids, and, and all that stuff. And the guy falls on the ground and he says, be patient with me. Ha, you know, have mercy. I'm, I want to, I'll pay it, I'll pay it, I'll pay it. So what does the king do? Instantaneously forgives him. Released. You are freed from your debt. Man, I mean, you think about the weight that just left that guy's chest. The bird that just left him. He's so grateful, right? Man, he's been forgiven this huge debt. I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, Dave Ramsey like videos or something like that. He's, I don't agree with everything that, guy, that he teaches, but he does a really good job of helping people work their way out of debt. Sets up a plan, and here's what you're going to follow. And if you see the videos of the people after they've worked the plan for several years, it's like they're like, going crazy. They're like, we're debt free. They're like, ah, shouting. Balloons are going off. They're celebrating. Everybody's high-fiving. It's like, because they got out from under that burden. But there's a big difference between working the plan over years to get out of debt and this guy. Because what happened is he didn't work a plan. He didn't have a, you know, he just experienced the mercy and the grace of the king who totally forgave him instantaneously and he absorbed the, the, the loss himself. So now the parable goes on and Jesus says this. Well, this particular servant went out and he encountered one of his fellow servants. And this fellow servant owed this guy who had just been released the huge debt he owed him a hundred talents. That's basically a hundred days wages for maybe like a laborer or a soldier, hundred days. So, you know, it's a thousand, but it's like, it's not, it's not huge. It's a much smaller debt. So what does the guy do? He's so thankful, right? That he's been forgiven this huge debt 
that he's just going to like, oh man, of course I'm going to set this guy free. No, that's not what happens. Jesus says that this fellow servant grabs his other the fellow servant by the neck and starts choking him. He says, you're going to pay everything up. You're going, to, you're going to debtor's prison and your wife until you pay that all off. It's like, wow, how sad is that? Well, the response is this in Jesus' parable. All the fellow servants are like, I, we can't believe what this guy's doing given the fact that he was just relieved this huge debt. And so they go and they tell the master and, and the king what happened. And then it says this, that the king came and he said this, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Check this out. He says, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. And the end of the parable. And then Jesus applies this and he says, so also will my heavenly father do to everyone if you don't forgive your brother from the heart. Whew, that's pretty sobering. Pretty sobering teaching by Jesus. Jesus makes the point. It's totally incompatible, totally incongruent, totally inconsistent to be forgiven a huge debt by God and then to withhold that from our fellow human beings. Now, he's not saying you're going to lose your salvation if you don't forgive someone. What he is saying, and what you might want to take heart, you know, when that light comes on on your dashboard, it says, check engine. It's a reality check of, am I truly a believer in Jesus who's experienced the love and the forgiveness and the grace and mercy of God? Because the reality is this, and this is the point I want us to see. Forgiven people forgive people. That's the point of the parable, that forgiven people forgive people. The writers of the New Testament wrote to the, the, the believers in the churches, and they said in Ephesians 4.32, forgiving one another, how? As God in Christ forgave you. See, the motivation to forgive is as God in Christ has forgiven you. That sets you free to forgive others. Colossians, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That's an imperative, folks. So you also must forgive. We're not only free, but we're also commanded to, to forgive others. When we believed on Jesus, God forgave us a huge debt, instantaneous mercy, and now he says, forgive as God has forgiven you. Challenge, question, How's, how have you done extending forgiveness to others? Is there anyone that's hurt you that you're withholding that or retaliating against them, attacking back, or maybe it's gone underground and you've minimized and now it's like it's, it's tearing you up inside or you're talking about them behind their back? There's a better way, and it's called the peacemaker's path. Peacemaker's path is, is simply this. There are four G's. 
First G, glorify God. So if you're facing a conflict with somebody, you want, first you have to deal with your motivation. Do I really want to reflect God? Do I really want to honor God and, and glorify Him? You might, you might be like, man, it's really hard. I'm really ticked off. I'm really hurt. God, help me. I really want to glorify you in this conflict and, and move to the place of forgiveness. So as I work through this peacemaker's pathway, second G is get the log out of your own eye first. So when we have conflict, it might be someone hurt you, but maybe there's somewhere in there where you've contributed to a conflict. Jesus taught, don't be so concerned about getting a speck out of somebody else's eye. Get the log out of your eye. What part have you contributed to this relational breakdown? Get the log out of your own eye first. Then you'll be able to see better to work through this conflict. Third G, gently show the other their fault. Get that? Gently. Gently show the other. Not wham, okay? Gently show, because you want to do it in such a way that it's restorative and that it works towards reconciliation. So glorify God, get the log out of your own eye first, gently show the other their fault. Fourthly, go and be reconciled. Ask for forgiveness, offer forgiveness, and be reconciled. We don't walk the peacemaker's path because one thing, oftentimes, forgiveness is hard. And we don't want to get, we don't want to, we don't want to forgive. We don't want to work through reconciliation. We also don't always walk the peacemaker's pathway because sometimes we think to forgive someone means to condone what they did or could, you know, say it's not a big deal, I just forgive you. So I want to talk through biblical forgiveness that's coupled with wisdom. Okay, so let's walk this through. And what I want to do is kind of uh, eliminate some of the rubble that might get in your way of actually extending forgiveness because you're like, if I forgive them, does that mean I need to trust them? No, not always. So biblical forgiveness and some wisdom here. First, forgiveness may still require rebuilding trust. See, you can forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean that they, you trust them to be able to 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 be too close because they might have a pattern in their life that's still super hurtful or even at times uh, dangerous. So it doesn't mean uh, forgiveness doesn't equate with trust, okay? Secondly, forgiveness may still require protective boundaries closely related. So let me, let me illustrate. So I, I told you I had a messed up background, so I'll share a little bit. So I had a relative that when I was a kid, I was like waving to my friends, uh, riding their bikes on the street, and all of a sudden that person shoved me out of a second-story window, and I was like, bam, you know. So, and then uh, later in life, as I had my kids, they wrote some crazy stuff about my little children. My kids are all grown now, but about my little children, and I forgave this individual. And I even extended some kindnesses to them. But I had to put boundaries up. Like, no way they're, 
they're coming near my kids in, uh, it's just not going to happen. And because they had, like, they weren't, they didn't show trustworthy patterns and they hadn't worked their way through some of their junk. And I just had to put boundaries up because they weren't trustworthy. Make sense? Yeah. I think you get it. Forgiveness, thirdly here, forgiveness and reconciliation may require help from a third party. Sometimes the hurt is so deep, or it's just complicated, or you're just like, I, I, I want to glorify God, but I think I need some help from someone to like mediate or facilitate this, and you know, you need a, a mature, trusted friend, or a pastor, or an elder, or a professional counselor to help you kind of work through that. No shame in that. In fact, really good idea sometimes if, we, if we're stuck and we can't get there. So, next, forgiveness may not result in reconciliation with the other person. See, you can forgive someone, but they may not even want to mess around with it. Be like, no, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, work it through with you. I don't want anything to do with you. And I'm heartened by the biblical passage, Romans 12, 18, says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. You get that? If possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. You can't control the other person's response. You can, you can make an effort you can forgive them, you can try to, to work through and reconcile, but they may say, like, I don't want anything to do with it, but you've at least taken care of your side of the relational conflict. Um, forgiveness may not eliminate the need for restitution. So uh, I was, uh, was a part of this uh, group that was helping these two uh, businessmen that both uh, professed faith in, in Christ in a, in a church that I was a part of back in the day. And uh, they had a business deal that went south. And, you know, they were both claiming, well, yeah, it was his fault. Yeah, I don't owe him money. And it was like, it was one of those things. To their credit, they didn't go to the, to the, the courts right away. They said, hey, help us work this thing through. Well, after we deliberated and heard all both sides and the full deal, it was pretty clear this one businessman owed this other guy money for that contract. It was, it was clear. And so we said, hey, restitution, you've you got to pay this guy the money that's, that's due him. It's not like, and they both forgave each other, and this guy forgave, but he stepped up, and to his credit, they, he paid the guy, and they reconcile, and it was really a beautiful thing to see. Uh, a little more recently, so, uh, you know, I, I live in a neighborhood in downtown Annapolis, and I uh, parked my car on the side of the street, and uh, these two young guys in their 20s came zooming down our street, bam, just smashed into to our car, dented it all up, and uh, I was like, oh man, and my wife was like, Fortunately, my wife and another neighbor saw these two guys. And so when they rolled back to the car, I was ready to, I went out and talked to them. They're like denying it. And I'm like, no, guys, man, like 
you got, we got witnesses, and they're like, they finally fessed up, and like, all right, we did it, you know, and I forgave them, but you better believe, I was like, and your insurance will pay for that damage, restitution is, uh, is in order here, and uh, they, they did, and we worked it out, so it was good, but you get the point. Forgiveness may not eliminate the need for restitution. And then finally, forgiveness by individuals may still require judicial sentencing, okay? So you, you might forgive somebody, but they've committed a crime in, in, the, in the public and they need to go to be sentenced and that's just part of the reality and consequence of their choices. All right, so have you seen that you... To forgive, you don't need to be naive, okay? There's wisdom to be applied when we forgive people. Uh, Biblical teaching by Jesus still stands, though. We forgive as God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ. It's a command, and we are free to to provide that kind of... But you may be feeling like, man, and and I can appreciate it, you don't know how hurt what that person or persons did to me and how bad it was. And I'm like, man, I empathize. I'm like really actually sorry that you've had to experience what you experienced. But, I, but Jesus' teaching still stands. And I thought I'd read you an account of somebody named Corey Tenboom. So Corey Tenboom was a, a young, uh, young woman when uh, the Nazis occupied Holland and took over and occupied her little town, Camden, where her sister lived with her father and their mother, and uh, she lived to, into her 90s. But Corey Tenboom um, faced some horrendous treatment. What happened was um, they were believers, followers of Jesus, Corey, her sister Betsy, her mom and her dad, and uh, they helped hide, hence the, the title, The Hiding Place. They f- created a little hiding place within their, their home above the, the clock shop that her dad worked at, and they hid hundreds of Jews and helped them to escape safely and avoid uh, the concentration camps. Well, eventually what happened was the Nazis discovered that the Tembooms were hiding these Jews. And Corey's dad, her sister Betsy, and Corey all had to go to a concentration camp called Ravensbrook, where her dad and Betsy died. And then Corey, because of a clerical error, ended up becoming, was released, and, went, and then uh, was living in Holland. So I wanted to read what uh, an incident from Corey's life. So Corey went on to share about the forgiveness of God and the, and the need to extend forgiveness to others. And I'm going to quote Corey's words. It was 1947, and I'd come from Holland to defeated Germany now that the war was over with the message that God forgives. It was the truth that they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. 
as she spoke to these crowds. Maybe because the sea was never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where the forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And even though it's not in the Bible, I believe God then places a sign that says, no fishing allowed. The solemn faces in the crowd stared back at me, not quite daring to believe my message. And that's when I saw him. Working his way forward against the others, one moment I saw the overcoat, the brown hat, the next, a blue uniform, a cap with a skull and crossbones. He came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were, I thought. That place was Ravensbrook, and the man who was making his way forward had been a guard, one of the most cruel guards in the whole place. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, our sins are all at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly about forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than taking that man's hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women But I remembered him. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he didn't remember me, but since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could have been many seconds that we stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it, and I knew the message that God forgives. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, And mechanically, I thrust out my hand into this one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm. It sprang into my hand that was joined with the other. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hand, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. 
But even then, I realized it was not my love. I had tried, and I didn't have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God can enable us to forgive, even though it's so hard. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit uses is to remind us of the grace and the mercy of God for us. You see, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes to us as believers and it says this, God, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You see, God set aside the debt that we owed because Jesus paid the debt. He was nailed to the cross for our sins so that we could then extend that forgiveness. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. I ask you this morning, Be forgiven? Because the point of this passage is very simple. Forgiven people forgive people. That's the reality. It's not easy. But we can, because of God's great forgiveness of us, extend that forgiveness and work towards reconciliation with others. Would you bow your heart and your head with me? As we close in prayer, I want you to reflect for just a minute here. Is there any relationship that's not reconciled? Starting with your relationship with God. Have you experienced the forgiveness of God for you in Jesus Christ? If not, that's the place to start today. It would be a wonderful day for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. The one who was nailed to the cross so that your debt, your sin debt, and all of your sins could be canceled out. Secondly, reconciliation with other people. Is there anyone you're withholding forgiveness from? Or maybe you've hurt somebody and you need to confess that sin to them your pride has been keeping you from admitting your own fault. My encouragement to you is forgive and ask for forgiveness and experience the reconciling grace of God because God in Christ has forgiven you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, for Jesus, for being nailed to that cross so that we could experiencing, experience the, the liberating freedom of being forgiven all of our debts in your sight. Help us. Help us to glorify you and extend forgiveness to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank Mark one more time? Thank you, brother. I feel like anytime you have a, a, a sermon on forgiveness, you just want to say, easier said than done, right?
Mark did such a good job of not only giving us practical resources, practical things to consider. I love that slide, the wisdom slide. I want to like frame that. It's like forgiveness and wisdom. So he's given us practical application, but he's also reminded us the heart, the impetus behind forgiveness is the fact that we have been forgiven. Forgiven people forgive people. I'm going to invite you to stand and I want to bless you this morning. I want to send you from here with Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. This is God's word. It says, put on then God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. May you go from here, East Point Church, forgiving, standing in the identity that you are forgiven, being ambassadors of reconciliation, being peacemakers and not peace fakers. We love you, church. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.